Well, welcome to another episode of Mejita Talks. I'm so honored today to have Lauren Zach with us. She's the Director of Account Development at Concept Services. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you, Sherry. Glad to be a part of this. We're so happy to have you here. So um, this is going to be pretty conversational. We just have, um, we're going to talk about some questions. We're going to talk about your business. We're going to talk about the material handling industry. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. Great. Maybe just as a, a quick introduction, could you tell me a little bit more about Concept Services and your role there? Absolutely, yeah. So Concept is a sales development firm. And uh, for most of our history, we've been really focused in the prospecting part of the, the customer life cycle. And um, more specific to that, for most of our company's history, we're really focused on outbound cold calling, appointment setting, and lead qualification. And as that climate and, and um, part of you know, business has changed significantly with technology, we've also added on a digital uh, marketing uh, agency group to concept. So where we were playing kind of in middle funnel with our cold calling and our lead follow-up and qualification, we actually started to kind of inch our way up the, um, the funnel into kind of top of funnel activity where we're generating leads through websites or pay-per-click marketing, et cetera. And um, several years before that, we actually, uh, out of pure necessity, became uh, a CRM power user, really, um, to support our business and our prospecting methodology. But then we decided to bring on Salesforce as a partner. So we're a Salesforce partner and a HubSpot partner from the CRM side. So we do a lot of technical work, um, but also help with sales process adoption. And um, we've been around 19 years, uh, located in Medina, Ohio, and uh, all uh, 130 so of our employees are in uh, the Medina area, uh, or were as of a couple days ago with um, all the changes with uh, COVID, of course. Well then, and you guys have a specific focus on the material handling industry itself, correct? Yeah, yeah, so material handling, uh, about 40% of our business, and um, the other 60% is really within supply chain. So uh, could be anything from construction equipment manufacturers and dealers, very similar to our uh, material handling uh, partnerships, as well as on the true supply chain side of things with logistics, tra transportation, warehousing, and then you know a lot of technologies like TMS systems and WMS systems that help support uh, the whole chain itself as well. So that's our, our core business. We have some outliers there, but it's really uh, our focus as an organization. That's awesome. I think you guys have carved out a nice niche for yourself, especially within material handling. It's not a, a segment that a lot of specialized companies have been focused on in the past, especially in marketing, business development, and CRM. So thank you for yeah. sharing that with us. Sure um, you kind of touched on it a little bit, and I just wanted to follow up. Given all of the craziness that's kind of going on in the world today with the coronavirus, um, how has concept services worked to address that with not only your clients, but your workforce? Yeah, well, it's, um, it's definitely been a challenge and uh, uh, all hands on deck, true team effort uh, to support our own business as well as our customers' business. So um, from a concept side, uh, we have moved all of our employees uh, to uh, remote uh, work. And so over the course of a week, we did batches of our uh, sales development reps, which are the people actually making phone calls on behalf of our customers. We started to move them in batches, home with equipment, 
And uh, prior to that, we had purchased a, a few additional softwares to help us uh, get our team remote. But um, Salesforce and you know most of the other CRMs that we work in are all cloud-based solutions. So that was pretty seamless to, to get our folks to transition. And then our um, voice over IP system for our phones is also something that we had implemented prior. So uh, moving that to a home environment was pretty simple. But um, of course, there's some technical challenges getting the team moved. And then there's also just some you know, natural changes in terms of communication. So we're relying really heavily on Microsoft Teams right now. Of course, email and, and phone communication is normal, but uh, the video calling and video chatting has been something that we've upped uh, probably 250% in the last couple of days uh, because we want to stay connected and seeing your coworkers and seeing your customers and prospects in a time like this when everybody's really hunkered down and, and feeling pretty isolated, I think is important just for business continuity, but also just personal well-being. So um, that's what's happened on the concept side of things. On the customer side of things, you know, we support over 120 customers at Concept, so it's been, um, you know, challenging for us to get in front of everybody, uh, not only to share what we've done internally, but to align with uh, their strategies and provide them with strategies as to how to stay in front of their prospects and customers. So a lot of the work that we've been doing for prospecting from both the marketing and a uh, cold calling side of things has started to switch to more of a customer service type of call. So we're relaying to them what the dealer or manufacturer's capabilities are right now with um, businesses being shut down and teams working remotely. And so um, we're communicating that really as kind of like frontline soldiers for them. A lot of their salespeople, don't have the technology, don't have the data. And so uh, we're just kind of changing the list of people that we're prospecting or calling to more of a um, well-being check and seeing how we can help to support their business. And um, of course, a lot of strategies have changed too. So, you know, uh, not necessarily focusing heavily on some of the manufacturing um, uh, markets that are seeing a downturn, unfortunately, with raw materials and non-essential goods, and then focusing our efforts to manufacturers and distributors for food and bev, healthcare, um, you know, obviously anyone inside of supply chain, as well as e-commerce. And so everybody's trying to sell online right now. Uh, changes <clears throat> with Amazon has been pretty crazy too, with their only essential good shipment, which has mm. put a lot of a uh, our customers' customers in a tough spot. So we're just calling to be a support and secondary resource for them. Well, that's excellent. I know it's it's an interesting time and a lot of businesses are facing the same thing. You know, I yeah. think I always try to look for at least some silver lining in all of this and it, it's been hard to do at times because I know everybody's yeah. been put under so much pressure. Um, but I hope we come out of this maybe with a better understanding of the need for cloud-based systems and why we should be working cloud-based. And also give, I think, businesses an opportunity to see the flexibility in their business model. Absolutely. To allow for more flexibility for their employees, as well with how you deal with customers. So I think as a total organization and as a total industry, um, I'm hoping that we come out of it with a better understanding of technology application, mm -hmm. um, as well as our workforce and our clients as well. So yeah. Um, I totally agree. I think um, everybody's wanted to test, right, working remotely or different um, 
applications or use of more collaborative technical tools and they've just been like you know I don't have the money right now I don't have the time right now I'm, mm. I'm focused on what I'm focused on to keep my business running and now we have to use those otherwise we can't keep our business running so you're right it's kind of like a, a, a forceful way of uh, you know maybe bringing um, some folks into uh, a different century in terms of how they work, but also I think uh, has a big impact on accountability uh, of mm. people that you know haven't been working remotely before and now find themselves in this environment where, you know, you've got slippers on, which I do right now, and uh, yeah. you know a hot cup of coffee <laughs> in my cozy chair. <laughs> um, so I think that you know that's going to mm. be a challenge, but you know, everybody's worried about you know making sure that they make an impact because that's what's going to count when. Uh, companies, you know, are, are looking at uh, financial challenges. So, yeah, absolutely. So kind of sticking on the technology um, theme, um, I, you know, in my time, I've, I've rolled out probably four different CRMs and uh, to varying degrees of success, to be honest. Um, and uh, it, it can be a challenging thing to do. And I, I think especially in this time that we're going through, maybe those companies that don't have a CRM, yeah. or haven't effectively utilized their CRM might be seeing, you know, some of the advantages of why they should either have one or should have better utilized it. And yeah. a lot of it comes down to their salespeople working remote and their access to data. So mm -hmm. I was hoping we could spend a few minutes just talking about the benefits of investing in a CRM system. Sure thing. Yeah, well, uh, you hit the nail on the head right now um, with companies who are probably kicking themselves that they have either put CRM on the back burner from an implementation perspective or from really pushing and driving adoption. And, you know, there are a gazillion benefits to imp implementing a CRM, but simplifying it down, I think, is the most impactful way of um, you know, really uh, just hitting home for organizations or for, for folks who really haven't put a lot of focus there. And um, the first thing is really about process. So in a time like we're in today, especially, if there's not a process um, for how customers are managed and how prospects are managed, really there's a lot of employees in a different environment going rogue, right? So they don't know best practices. They don't know what the company's asking of them on, um, you know, in terms of their daily responsibilities if they can't go out and physically see a customer or a prospect. So process is really important. And um, you know, a lot of people rely on CRM for their processes, but really it's not a process tool. It just is a tool that helps you adapt to a process. So, you know, I know uh, you and I have talked about this many times that, you know, you, you need to take a step back from technology, you need to take a step back from the day to day and look at what are the, you know, steps that we need to take to efficiently and effectively service our customers and efficiently and effectively service our internal customers so that the operation and the sales team uh, really work hand in hand with one another. So I'd encourage anybody that's feeling really overwhelmed with, you know, process in general, but especially now to kind of take a step back and say, what are the, the bare minimum steps that I need to take or my team needs to take to get the job done? Um, so process is huge. Um, on top of process is visibility, and I think that's the biggest one. So um, bringing visibility to adherence to that process or lack thereof 
is huge, but really visibility to the daily, uh, weekly, and monthly activities of teams is something that CRM was really made for, right? So not only from the customer side do you get to see who's being touched and when and with what messaging, but you also get to keep tabs on your team to help you know, improve their productivity and um, you know, visibility is kind of a double-edged sword where you, you know, you might have access to see everything and you might not want to see it all because it's going to definitely poke some holes in your, you know, team's uh, management and how you hold people accountable. But I'd say that's probably the, the biggest, um, the biggest, you know, reason why most companies adopt a CRM. Um, but lastly, it's about, you know, return on investment. So, um, you know, that visibility brings uh, an opportunity to validate your investments or an opportunity for you to shift your budget where you're actually seeing a return. So that could be from marketing where you're able to track campaigns and um, even, you know, physical um, marketing and in terms of mailers and things of that nature, but then all the way through to your salespeople is their investments too. So if if you're not seeing the return um, from those folks, what can you do to really turn that around? So uh, I'd say for most of our customers, that's the end goal is getting that process established, bringing visibility to that process, and then from there saying, was this process, were these sources, were these resources, employees that we have, you know, bringing us the return that we are expecting? And if they weren't, what are we going to do to change that? Oh, that's excellent. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you touch on a little bit the sales team. And, and I'll tell you, in some of my rollouts, I would say actually in all my rollouts, I think the most difficult part that I encountered, at least, was really engaging the entire sales team yeah. in why we need to be using CRM. Um, there was some generational differences, for sure. I think people that had grown up used to technology and this type of technology um, adapted a lot more quickly and wanted it. Yeah. Whereas I would say, especially in this industry, we have a lot of people with tenure. We have a lot of people that have been doing this mm -hmm. for 20, 30. I knew somebody was doing this for 40 years. And um, it's hard to change how they were doing it to how they are doing Absolutely. it. There's a lot of resistance to engaging yeah. in it. Um, so do you have some tips of just how to better engage their sales force to not, and not using the stick, you know, not beating them over the head and saying you have to, but yeah. really getting them, it's the whole, I want you to want to do the dishes. You know, I want you to, <laughs> to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a great question. And uh, you're right. Beating over with the stick really isn't going to promote change. Um, and if it does, it'll only promote immediate change and then you'll have to beat with the stick again and again and again and uh, that job gets old and people start to uh, want to move away from that type of management uh, because they don't like it and because it's not the right way to manage their team and so then a lot of times that adoption totally falls off. Um, I can't tell you the number of customers that we have that we've implemented their CRM um, and it's the fourth or the fifth or we're going in and reworking it um, so that it's more effective. Um, so the biggest tip I can give in terms of holistically looking at CRM as a tool for the sales team is just making sure that they have what they need in there. If you're going to your sales team and asking them to enter in their customer information and all of the contacts that they have 
and then utilize it, you are going about it all wrong. So, you know, piping in information from your ERP, from past business systems, from your marketing team, getting uh, either a partner, vendor, or even, you know, someone that's lower level in the organization to be manually putting that information in uh, is way more effective. Um, and it's more efficient, of course, too, than asking mm -hmm. salespeople to do that while they're out on the road uh, trying to, you know, take care of normal day-to-day -day responsibilities. So, you know, if there's nothing in the CRM, then there's not a whole lot of value there. So I would suggest that companies really take a look at uh, on the front end how they're going to populate the information that a salesperson would use. So instead of saying, you know, I need you to go and, and let me know who's in your territory, the, the talk track should really be go in the system and take a look at who we have in your territory and how you can prioritize that based on facility size, fleet segmentation, uh, competition, things of that nature. And that way they can go on and make a game plan for their day to day. So, um, you know, if they're going to a certain area, if you have a mapping tool or even have piped in zip codes in, in cities, they can pull a targeted list so that they're not just driving aimlessly and knocking on doors. They can, you know, task themselves with upcoming next purchase timeframes and things of that nature. And so I would just say at the end of the day, if you're having them put in information other than quotes and opportunities and maybe their visits to those customers, you're doing yourself and your organization a disservice. I think that's a great tip. That's a great tip for the buy. Um, and so just to kind of wrap up our, our CRM section of this, how would you say a CRM system helps to improve the customer experience? Yeah, well, it just brings visibility to it. And that visibility then will promote change. Uh, if the organization's taking the time to see what their customers are saying, so I think really there's a good opportunity for that really at any point in the, in the customer experience and the customer life cycle. You can gauge how your prospects are interacting with you and make effective changes as to how you're going about getting their business uh, because you have the visibility to notes and to uh, progression of accounts. Um, from a current customer perspective, of course, you can see how your team's interacting with them. You can see the type of content that they're receiving, whether that be through marketing or through your service team uh, and day-to-day -day, uh, communications. And um, of course, you can do, you know, surveying um, through CRM. Uh, quite simply, there's a lot of applications that are either plugins to CRM or that you can make from a homegrown side of things to help support getting a good uh, survey from your customer. But again, if you're not gonna do anything with that information, then you can't go back and make those changes in your company to improve the customer experience. But um, I'd, I'd encourage people to also, you know, really think about, of course, current customers are important, but what about prospects and what about past customers? Uh, because you're trying to grow your business, you're always going to have current customers that become past customers, or that are acquired and then ultimately are in a national account or a key account or something of that nature that you really didn't foresee leaving the pipeline. So what's the experience of the people that are not in your actual customer base yet, but are in your prospect base? Mm -hmm. And how are your salespeople working with them versus working with a current customer? Are they giving them the same experience? Are they giving them um, you know, the attention that they need. And if not, it's going to be a lot more challenging to, to bring them on as new business. 
Excellent, excellent. I, a true story. I mean, we had, uh, I think salespeople, especially in this industry, do a great job creating relationships and, and building that partnership. And I think that's what differentiates us a lot. Um, but now as we start to see the workforce sort of turn and some of those people retire, um, we had a salesperson that took copious notes, knew everybody's kids' birthdays and <laughs> allergies. And I mean, had a, a, a book, it was a black book full of all of these notes. And, and then he retired. And oh. that black book retired with him. Absolutely. You know, so the new sales rep that took over that territory wasn't able as quickly to develop some of those personal relationships mm -hmm. or just have the information available to him the way that if it was all, if all that same information was available, but in yeah. something like a CRM, he would have started on step 10 instead of step one. Absolutely. So a very similar story. I was out visiting a customer doing some uh, inside sales training a few weeks ago for um, their salespeople who are out on the road. They're just trying to kind of beef up their skill set and, and um, help them be more efficient through phone work. And so they had my team come and train and so one guy pulled out this notebook and he said, well, I've got everything here. Yeah. And I said, okay, great. Well, how is it organized? And I said, oh, I just, you know, day by day, I'll, I fill yeah. up the pages. So I said, well, how do you know what page to look on? And how many days of information are, worth, are you know, inside of that notebook? And he kept, you know, defending and defending the notebook. This is his process. This is how he gets it done. And then finally someone, one of his peers across the room said, hey, man, what if your backpack gets stolen? <laughs> and then <laughs> at that point, he really didn't have, yeah. at that point, he really didn't have an answer. But it's the same, same concept. And I think it's difficult for salespeople to see that and not feel a sense of big brother or feel a sense of, um, you know, a loss of ownership. And so, you know, really it's kind of uh, asking um, sales management to communicate it in a way that's rethinking how they can be more efficient, uh, more organized, um, because if they're just saying, hey, get the information in here, because who, who knows how long you'll be around or who knows what will happen if you win the lottery, you know, <clears throat> it's just kind of got a different tone and, and will probably inspire different results too. Yeah, very good point. Yeah. Um, so let's switch gears just a little bit. I know you, you didn't start out in the material handling industry, but with such a big segment of your business being within the industry, I know you've spent a lot of time really learning the industry over the past several years. Um, yeah. So as you've gotten to know the industry, what would you say you love most about the material handling space? Yeah, so I think everyone probably unless they were born into a company that's in material handling did not intend to go into this business. Um, I know that's a, a running joke at uh, Mahita events that we all uh, somehow wound up here and now we'll never leave. And I think the reason why we never leave is, uh, I think more so than some of the other industries that we work in, it's just a, a really you know, sense of camaraderie. And that even comes from competitors. It comes from folks who might have uh, 40 years inside of the industry all the way down to one or two years. And I've never really seen the open um, communication, the collaboration that I've seen inside of material handling with some of the other industries that we work in. You know, I've watched 40 year old veterans in 
networking events ask for advice from a millennial and vice versa. And so I think everybody's just really, you know, inspired this collaborative environment of learning. Um, and it's also really cool too, of course, I think everybody's excited about all the different technologies out there and how material handling is uh, really at the forefront of ensuring that our supply chain uh, is able to withstand, you know, demand and changes. And right now is a great example of, uh, of how it's being, you know, stretched and seemingly material handling's there right now to support mm. our country and our world in a time of need. So that's been really kind of in the last few days, something that's hitting home to me too. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and you sort of touched on it, especially from a leadership perspective that, you know, I think one of the great things about this space and that people stay in it for so long is we have some of the most tremendous leaders and mentors within this space, as you, as you alluded to. So as you've kind of seen your career blossom at Concept, what would you say are some of the most important leadership qualities that you either strive to be or you look for in leaders that you respect? Yeah. Uh, I'd say the first one is really um, about vulnerability. You know, I have watched through networking, through my own organization, and through, you know, supporting our, our customer base, leaders who have, you know, really kind of brought themselves down potentially off of a, a pedestal or off of a high line of hierarchical um, structure to just get down and say, we're in this together. Mm -hmm. Your challenges are my challenges. Uh, if you can't do your job, I can't help us all do our jobs. Um, and I've really seen a lot of uh, vulnerability and just transparency too. Um, that's something that I definitely strive as. Um, you know, strive to achieve on a daily basis with my team. Of course, you can't tell everyone everything. Some people can't hear um, certain things from you, not even from a confidential confidentiality perspective, but also because you just need them to be focused on their role. And so I think once you get to know your team, um, you can figure out the, you know, layers of transparency that you can have. And um, I just love to tell people, uh, no punches held type of communication. Um, I'm not saying this to personally affect you in a negative way. It is what it is. We've got to work together to figure it out. I'm willing to get in the trenches with you and help you. Um, but I'd say those are probably the, the biggest two things that I look to uh, leaders um, for and that I try to try to do as the golden rule as well. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, all right. So sure. now one of the things that we hope to accomplish with Mahita Talks is even just to get to know our members on a more personal level to really okay. create that community that I think Mahita has done for the last 40 years. Um, now we're just doing it in a different capacity, especially since we can't get together for a drink. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to play a little game we like to play at the end of these. It's our lightning round. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to ask you a series of, of 10 quick questions. So these are quick, off the top of your head, answers, um, and, and we'll have some fun with it. It'll get everybody to know you a little bit better. So I always like okay. to start easy. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Well, start easy. What's your favorite food? Oh, that is actually probably the hardest question for me. <laughs> no. I, I love to eat. Um, I'd say my favorite food is probably uh, probably eggs because I think they're super versatile. And uh, if I'm left to my own devices, I definitely eat breakfast for dinner more than one night a week. 
um, what leader do you admire the most? Oh, that's a, that's a challenging one um, as well. But um, I'm going to bring it home and maybe have a little bit cheesier of one. Um, a leader that I admire is my boss and my president, Jeff. Um, he has been in our business about 10 years and I have seen him get down and dirty in every single role that we have. And, um, the way that he leads is, is really through experience and not through, um, dictation. And so I think he inspires me all the time to, you know, be better, do better, to, uh, learn and grow, uh, on, my own interests. And so uh, he's been inspiring our company to really see outside of concept to learn not just the concept way, but what's happening in our industry and our market. And that's allowing for us to bring more expertise into the company. And I don't think a lot of leaders and, and companies are really telling their team to go listen to podcasts, go subscribe to different um, you know, educational resources and take that time to invest there. So I'm really looking to him a lot for uh, that continued inspiration. Awesome. I always like to hear that. Um, and we'll make sure to send this to him before your next employee <laughs> review. So you <laughs> oh, trust me, I guess it's about all the time. <laughs> all right. Would you rather speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? I would think I'd rather speak every language in the world. And I think that's because you can actually kind of speak to animals in the way that you interact with them physically. Um, so uh, yeah, I go for language. All right. What would you say is the best age that you've been so far? Um, uh, I'd say right now, um, a few weeks away from my 30th birthday, uh, I feel uh, excited where I'm at in my personal and professional life. And uh, I think I, I don't have a lot of the things that a lot of people say are weighing them down right now. Um, so that's, a, that's made for a, a life on the road, pretty, um, you know, pretty exciting stuff. All right, frozen or on the rocks? How do you take your margaritas? On the rocks all day. <laughs> so if there's a spider in your house, do you kill it or do you capture it and set it free? Uh, it's dead. Okay. I agree. <laughs> I cannot agree more. Are you no. a morning person or a night owl? Um, I used to be a night owl. I wish I was still a night owl, but uh, I can't... Um, be on the couch with a blanket and stay awake for probably more, more than five or seven minutes. So now I'm, a, now I'm a morning person. Um, but, uh, and now I'm not allowed to use my heated blanket anymore because that's an even shorter period of time that I'm awake. <laughs> uh, but definitely morning person now. Do you have a favorite quote? I wouldn't say this is my favorite quote of all time, but it's a quote that I've actually been utilizing quite a, quite a bit since I left the Emerging Leaders Conference last year with Mahita. Uh, I've used it inside of a women's group that uh, I recently just started at Concept. I've been utilizing it a lot with folks as we're talking about their professional development at, my, uh, at Concept. Um, and uh, it's, uh, I, I think it was from Ryan. I can't remember his last name. So. Ryan Avery. Yeah. Avery. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, something to the effect of that you can't 
um, use words like just and only because they minimize um, what you're trying to communicate or your product or who you are and that can't really maximize the experience. So I think the quote was uh, just and only uh, well, are, are ways that minimize and really you want to maximize with your words. They're free, but they cost a lot. And that's yeah. something that really stuck with me. Yeah. Wow, that's good. Um, can you name one of the seven dwarfs? Sleepy. <laughs> and finally, what is your guilty pleasure? I know you work a lot, but you have to have one guilty pleasure. Oh, yeah, I have many. Um, I'd say um, I definitely have some guilty pleasure TV shows um, that I've watched. Um, but uh, my biggest guilty pleasure is probably eating junk food. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to not do now, especially being I know. Um, I know. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of our interview. Is there anything you just want to leave the audience with as kind of a closing remark? Um, I'm super um, excited to uh, continue working with Mahita and within this industry. Um, I think there's a lot of room for growth in um, everyone's personal and professional development uh, that can be achieved through collaboration. And, um, you know, I focus mainly on that that sales development and that prospecting world, but um, that doesn't mean that it's isolated. Um, you know, I think it's really important to learn about all aspects of each other's business to get a true understanding of how we're going to work together. And I think now's really the time to do that. Uh, felt the industry really band together uh, with all of the challenges that we're up against, and just you know excited to be a continued part of it. And um, if anybody has questions or you know wants to just chat, uh, even if you're not a customer um, of mine, you know that's what Mahita is all about, and uh, it's you know about mutual uh, benefit. So I'm happy to do that anytime. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Lauren. My name is Sherry Altergat. You've watched the next episode of Mahita Talks. In the words of a famous rapper, Rick Ross, forget yesterday, live for today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. We look forward to seeing all of you next time.